You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today I want to kind of start turning our attention to the New Orleans Saints in this game. We got to look at the injuries. Uh, We finally got an update from David Bakhtiari about David Bakhtiari. Um, It was sort of as expected, but as I said, there really was no good news. There was either he sat out, which is problematic, or he didn't sit out and he's got an injury after playing one week. So we'll look at that, and um, time is a little bit pressed today, so I want to try to get through this as mucho as possible, but I'll tell you what, why don't we actually start with the David Bakhtiari uh, snippet. Paul Brettel clipped this, so I will just go ahead and use that. Here is from David Bakhtiari. He says, I signed up to play. I plan on playing. When I can play, I'm going to play. Even if I'm not playing, there is something going on. It's not like it's been a secret. It's something I've been battling with, and it's been bad. It's been weighing on me a lot. You think I don't want to play? You think I want to be a great football player and then just disappear? F no. I appreciate Goody. We've had plenty of talks. It's been amazing to me and been even uh, able to vent to him about it. It's been extremely stressful. It's the human side. I've just been sitting here quietly just like, whatever it is, it's going to be it. And I just have to take it for what it is. So, look, I don't want to go from reading too much into something before into reading too much into something moving forward. But, again, as I'm sitting here reading this, I'm trying to reconcile this with, he had a minor setback, he'll be fine for, for this week. I understand there's frustration that, you know, as far as, like, people think I'm, I'm not going to play because they're sitting out, like, and he's mad about that. Like, that's, that's a thing. But I don't think that's the primary thing that he's saying. Like, he answered the question, do you think I would do that? Of course I wouldn't do that. It's something I've been battling with. He's talking about his injury, not what people are thinking. It's been crappy. It's been weighing on me a lot. And then he says, you know, he appreciates Gutekunst, which is, I mean, honestly, that's a great thing for the narrative that, you know, obviously Rodgers hates Gutekunst and, and David Bakhtiari is Rodgers' friend, so you just assume he hates Gutekunst, and that's not the case. He says, I appreciate Gutekunst, and we've had plenty of talks. He's been amazing to me and been even able to vent to him about it. But that's that's where I'm looking at it, and it's like... And look, I, he could be talking about for years, right? I mean, this goes back to 2020. This goes back to 2021, like just being stressed out about, man, I want to play, and it's not getting better, and what the heck is going on? It's been extremely stressful. It's the human side. I've just been sitting here quietly, like, whatever it is, it's going to be, and I just have to take it for what it is, you know? And again, he, he's he's just maybe getting this off his chest to us for the first time, so he's kind of unloading a backlog of things. I'm just saying it, it scares me that it, it sounds like he's really upset that it, it just, like, this knee thing is just not, it never got better. Which, again, is something that other people were saying a lot. And I was like, no, come on. you don't. Why would you even assume that? Knee, ha- knee injuries happen. But, you know, the way he's talking about it, it, it sounds like it's, it's a known thing by him and by the team that this is, this is a serious thing and it's just not, it's not better. Um, 
And by not better, I don't just mean like it's something that's going to linger for a while. I mean, in, in terms of like we're still in the same shape that we're, we were before, where um, there's going to be just constant problems as long as he's playing football, as long as he's putting stress on it. And, and that, that does make sense for what Matt LaFleur said. I mean, this is going to be all year. It also makes sense as to why Matt LaFleur was so upset about the question, which again, I really wish he would have just, you know, you, you can be very stern and say, I don't want any freaking questions about this because he knows how much it bothers David Bakhtiari and he doesn't want people pushing it, but still answer the question so that it doesn't make it worse. But again, it's just kind of like a couple of the pieces seem to be coming together in one direction. Like, this has been a really big deal for David Bakhtiari. He's really upset about it. And so the team isn't really bringing it up. They're not talking about it. They don't like to address it. Like, to the media, I mean. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think um, it might just be best. And he I mean, he could be back the entire year. I don't know. It might just be best to assume that he's having some problems. And when he's able to play, we can be grateful. That's maybe just where it needs to be. Because I it, it just doesn't doesn't sound good but we don't know we don't know he might be back this week and for the rest of the year i'm just saying it it, he's kind of unloading how upsetting this knee issue has been for him which is not an answer i would expect from i had a successful surgery it's rehabbed i'm ready to rock and roll you know what i mean um as far as the injuries beyond that um per matt lafleur david bakhtiari elton jenkins and aaron jones did not participate in practice Watson, Van Ness, and Gary were limited. Now, we can take that as a positive and a negative. Uh, I didn't, I mean, even if Bakhtiari is is fine, he's not going to practice. He will not practice this year. I mean, there's no reason to believe that he will. Jenkins, we assume, will be out for some time. He wasn't, uh, to my knowledge, he hasn't been placed on IR. I don't see that anywhere. And so um, that's at least a positive sign. Not to say that they won't do it. But, um, you know, I mean, IR is... is a limited period of time. And so if you assume he's going to be out four, five, six weeks, you, you probably just slap him on there. So so they may be, the, the fact that they're not sure that he could come back prior to that, you know, I'll take that as relatively positive. The, the biggest negative is Aaron Jones. You know, again, we went from thinking he can come back in that game to he wasn't available the entire next week and now he's still not okay. Um, so I think it was a little bit of false hope seeing him on the sideline with his helmet ready to get back in. And, and I'm sure that's, you know, Aaron Jones just saying, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm ready to go. And then you take the day off and you wake up and your leg is hurting and it's just, it's not getting better. So, I mean, look, we, we need him to heal up. I know we want him back and all that, but, um, you know, again, as long as, and I'm sure some people don't, don't agree with this assessment, but as long as we view this season for what it is, it's a building and assessing year. It's, it's about developing Jordan and building that chemistry and learning how to play and learning how to build a playbook and, and play designs and all the things with the guys that we have, um, you know, getting Watson back on the field and, and learning how to use him and Dobbs and Reed and Wicks and Ture and, and all these guys mixed in together. And yes, Jones is a part of that, but um, assessing the defense and what we have and what we don't have and you know, from that perspective, Jones, just take your time. From the perspective of screw that, we need to win a Super Bowl because that's the goal, then yeah, I guess we got to hurry Jones back. But anything other than that, it's not, again, it's not to say we're abandoning a Super Bowl, but just kind of looking at it from a more realistic standpoint and saying, you know, we want to, we want to keep Jones. And who knows, man, maybe by next year, we're actually taking a legitimate run at a Super Bowl and we need Aaron Jones healthy. And I'm not saying we're going to ruin him for next year if we rush him back too soon, but I don't think resting him is going to hurt. 
The best news here, I guess more negative would be Van Ness is limited, but that, that could be seen as a positive because we haven't heard a single thing about Lucas Van Ness. For all we knew, he was going to be way, way out. So he's limited in practice, which is uh, positive. And then Watson being limited, um, obviously big time, fingers crossed. You know, I mean, it, it's tough not having a playmaker like Aaron Jones and trying to win a game without him. It really would be a massive benefit. In my mind, the two biggest playmakers on this team are Jones and Watson. I think Watson, I've said it all along, is a special, special wide receiver. I don't know if, you know, necessarily Love and Watson are on the same page, but I'm sure Matt LaFleur can cook up some things to make sure that there are some connections there. And if nothing else, we can spread out the field a little bit more and, you know, stretch it out. And then you get you get Musgrave's speed in the middle of the field. You got Watson down the sideline. And it just, I, I just think it's really going to open things up. And then if you get the trio of, of, Watson, Musgrave, and and Aaron Jones, man, I, I just think that can be something. Again, maybe not right out of the gate, but uh, at, at, at full speed, man, I just, I don't know. I think that can be special. I really do. So fingers crossed that we get uh, Watson and Van Ness and Gary in this game. So the uh, official injury report had uh, Daniel Whelan, finger injury, full participant, Limited, again, Gary Van Ness and Watson did not participate. Aaron Jones, Elton Jenkins, David Bakhtiari. As for the Saints, um, Saints, it says the Saints had a walkthrough on Wednesday. This is an estimate, estimation of anticipated practice status, whatever that means. Taysom Hill limited with a knee injury. Kendra Miller, hamstring, was a full participant. Foster Moreau, uh, tight end, ankle injury, did not participate. Jamal Williams, who is uh, not expected to play or is completely out of the question i actually think he's definitely not playing um and we'll get into the significance of that because it is relatively significant i don't believe he's playing so that's where we're at with injuries right now uh hopefully we don't go backwards again i do not expect uh bakhtiari to participate the rest of the um the week that's not necessarily a bad thing it's really just going to be we're going to find out you know saturday sunday if he's playing probably be sunday uh, Rashawn Gary should be good. I don't know when we're going to take the limiter off of him, but uh, the sooner the better, obviously. Elton Jenkins, again, I do not expect him to be in this game. Aaron Jones, I don't know. I'm leaning toward no, but uh, you know we've got a couple more practices to see if we can work him back. Lucas, it's looking good, so I'm, I'm feeling good about him being in. Watson, I, I hate to be too optimistic, but I, I feel like he'll probably make it. We'll see. Um, also worth noting, Romeo Dobbs is not even on here at all, so I think we can officially assume that the uh, restrictor plate is going to be taken off of Romeo Dobbs, which is awesome. Um, in other news, Saints safety Marcus May has been suspended without pay for the next three games for violating the NFL policy on substance substances of abuse is how it's phrased here. So, I mean, Marcus May is, I mean, that's a starting safety. That's a big deal. Now, he's got a 60 PFF grade, 58 coverage grade, 61 run defense. I mean, he's pretty much 60 across the board, straight average. Um, but we're talking two targets, one reception, 22 yards, and a pick is what he, he's rocking right now on top of his 10 tackles. Um, so working side-by-side side with Tyron Matthew. Now, Tyron Matthew is sort of the the main guy as far as the safeties go on that defense. But, you know, it's it's more the drop-off from, from one guy to the next. That's the question. And then... You know, do you change what you are asking Tyron Matthew to do? Depending on what your backups are able to do, you may have to have, you know, rather than trusting Marcus May is going to handle one part of the field or certain assignments, you may have to kind of change that up a little bit. So I don't know the full impact of that. We'll see if we can get an answer on that at some point. 
but um, I'm assuming Jordan Howden is going to come in as the safety. He's played 26 snaps so far. Been uh, about as decent. He's straight average across the board. It, basically no impact on the, on the game whatsoever. No tackles, no targets, nothing. Kind of just roaming around on run plays or something. I don't know. But uh, he's actually a rookie fifth round pick this year. So if he's going to be the starter, I have to assume we're going to maybe, uh, I don't know, look at going that way a little bit. Because Tyron Matthew spends a lot of time kind of closer to the line of scrimmage in the box, playing in the slot. So do they want to trust rookie fifth round pick Jordan Howden to uh, handle that single high responsibility? I don't know. But that's it on the injury suspension front, at least as far as I'm aware. Why don't we take our first break? And when we come back, I want to, uh, again, start digging into the the, uh, Saints a little bit. So patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast directly, you can do so there. You can join for as little as a dollar a month. Otherwise, you can hit me up on Venmo at Packernet Podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so let's kind of start from the uh, the ground floor here. I did a little bit of work with uh, Matt Ramage doing our, our Pick'em show on Wednesday. And so I'm trying to come up with score totals. I do have one already, and we can talk about that also. We might as well. Four Packers Saints. And this is prior to me even really digging in, so I'm kind of working backwards here. But, you know, one of the one of the tough things about analyzing a team through one or two weeks is you don't know how much to take it seriously. And so you look at last year and you kind of compare. And for some teams, you can look at that and say, you know, they're almost the exact same team. San Francisco 49ers, for example, they're scoring 30 points a game and allowing 15 points a game. You look at that and go, yeah, that's not sustainable. They scored 28.4 points a game last year and gave up 15.3 points a game last year. That's basically exactly what they were doing last year. So when I look at that, I can see the 30 and the 15 and say that's pretty sustainable. Now, from a DVOA standpoint, they're wildly overperforming, but you know it just depends what you're looking for. Some teams, it's very, very different, and it's kind of hard to tell. Now, it's funny because I was doing this. I had to do a double take, and I forgot they are the second highest scoring team in football. The Packers last year scored 24.1 points per game. They're currently scoring 31 points a game. Well, that's the Bears. Yeah, no, I get it. Still a lot of points through two weeks. So 
you know, especially going up against a tougher defense, you figure, yeah, that'll probably come back down to earth a little bit closer to that 24 number from last year, if they can even get to that, you know? And then the defense was giving up 20.6 points per game, currently giving up 22.5 points per game. The New Orleans Saints, last year, scored 18 points per game. Pretty crappy number. This year, exactly 18 points a game. Their defense allowed 21 points a game. They're only allowing 16. So, so here's sort of the situation that we're looking at. The New Orleans Saints are a trash offense and a really good defense. From a DVOA standpoint in 2023, they're currently the fourth highest uh, ranked team. They're 27, uh, 27%, so 27% better than your average defense. Now, that's where you start to... It sounds a little overly optimistic, but again, remember, their offense is about the same as it was their defense is better. Their defense this year, negative 27%. Last year, the Saints' defense was negative 5.1%. So just 5% better than your average defense. So that is to say, it's very likely, I mean, it's possible they did improve leaps and bounds, and they got, you know, five times better than they were last year. That's possible. If I had to guess, they're probably not going to sustain this. In fact, nobody is going to sustain that, I don't think. The number one team last year was the 49ers, and their DVOA was a negative 15, basically. So a lot of these teams are going to come back down to earth. They're absolutely dominating people in just a couple weeks. The Dallas Cowboys defense, for example, is a negative 62.2, 62%. So there are currently seven teams that have a DVOA that is better than the number one uh, team last year, including the 49ers, by the way, who are marginally better. But again, pretty similar. Uh, they, they may come down a little bit. They may stay there. I don't know. But all that to say, the Saints defense is performing at a level that is not necessarily sustainable. Are they a good defense? Sure. Are they better than last year? Entirely possible. Could they maintain it for one more week? Yeah. Heck, they can go up to 30 for one more week and then start to taper off. All I'm saying, though, is I believe they're a terrible offense. I know they're a good defense, but I don't think they're as good as we've been seeing. Now, you could argue that with the Packers as well, because as, as as bad as it seems like the Packers may be to some people or whatever, from a DVOA standpoint, they're kind of dominating. The offense and defense, even though the numbers are worse, the the overall, you know, the, the 20.6 points allowed, now it's 22.5. Our DVOA last year was a positive 6.1%, so 6% worse than your average defense. As of right now, they have it at 6% better than your average defense. And they have the offense as 19.3% better than your average defense. Now, to put that into context, um, that would have been third last year. So not impossible, but it would have been Chiefs at 20, almost 26%, the Bills at about 20%, and then it would have been the Packers, and then a bit of a drop-off down to the Eagles. But one of the big things working in the favor of the Green Bay Packers is as much as you can look at that and say that's probably fluky, they've been on the road two weeks in a row. It's also their first two weeks with a very un, unproven, untested team. This is now week three. They've had a lot more time, and they're going home for the first time. So are they going to be able to maintain 19.3% DVOA on offense? Probably not. If they do, they're going to remain like a, t- a top offense. I mean, they, they will be a top five for sure offense this year. But is it likely that this is going to be the week they fall off? I would guess not so much. But anyways, in terms of score predictions, if you look at 2022, 
I have the score 19 to 22 Green Bay Packers. If you look at 2023, even with these numbers and say, well, these are wild numbers with the Packers scoring 31 points a game, whatever, the points are not actually that different. I have it 19 to 21. It's almost identical. So 19 to 22 or 19 to 21, Packers win in both instances. It's actually eerily similar to what I had last week. And we lost by like that exact score just for the opposite teams. So, you know, close, low scoring game. And so if we just go through their roster really quickly, Derek Carr is the starting quarterback. Currently has a 65 passing grade, thrown for 533 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. That ain't great. Um, He has a big time throw percentage of 5.6%, which is quite high. Turnover worthy play percentage is 2.5%, which really isn't that bad. Um, It's more so that, first of all, 100% of those turnover worthy plays did end up getting picked off. And then the fact that he has such a low touchdown number, it makes it look really terrible. But that's a good thing. I mean, it's the exact opposite problem, seemingly, of the Green Bay Packers, who, uh, you know, every third throw goes into the end zone. For Derek Carr, it looks like lots of yards, lots of big-time throws. They just can't quite punch it in. Hugely problematic for any football team. So that needs to continue. As far as their receivers, they have got some serious weapons. Uh, Chris Olave is off to a fantastic start in year two. He has an 84, basically, receiving grade. Nearly 200 yards, no touchdowns. They also have Rashid Shahid. This is a pretty crazy situation because he is a 2022 undrafted free agent. He was here last year. Wouldn't assume anything. He's, he's got, he has a 78 receiving grade and 81 overall grade. Well, it's two weeks, whatever, probably no big deal. Last year, he had an almost identical grades to what he has right now. He had an 81 PFF grade. Now, he didn't play a ton, but somehow, I guess he's really good. I don't understand it. He had 89 yards and a touchdown in week one, 17.8 yards per reception. And then week two, 63 yards, almost 16 yards per reception. So he's got 152 yards, 17 yards per reception, and a touchdown. Six foot, 180 pounds out of Weber State. And then right now, they're number three wide receiver. I mean, not in terms of targets or whatever, but in terms of production and in terms of grades is actually Michael Thomas. Um, He does have the second most targets, second most receptions, 12 receptions, 116 yards, no touchdowns. He has a 68 PFF grade. But I mean, assuming it's real with Rashid Shahid, which is weird, but whatever, that's a heck of a trio. The problem is it's just not producing. Uh, Running backs, really stupid situation. Leading in the rushing category is tight end slash quarterback Taysom Hill. How in the world your tight end quarterback is leading in rushing yards, I don't know. But 12 attempts, 79 yards, 6.6 yards per attempt, 77 rushing grade. I mean, he's going to be the the focal point, obviously. Jamal Williams um, leads the team in attempts and is second in yards, but he is not playing. He had just 2.7 yards per attempt. He was having a terrible go of it, plus a fumble. Leaving, I guess, the number one running back is Tony Jones. I saw there was somebody else that was probably going to come up and, and take some snaps. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But Tony Jones is going to be their uh, lead running back, I suppose, and I've never heard of the guy. He has uh, 13 attempts, 39 yards, 3 yards per carry, and 2 touchdowns. So maybe he's the goal line guy. He was a, so he's 5'11", 224. Sounds like somebody Goody Cunts would love. 2020 undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame. Offensive line we can work with, and and this is a problem for them. It's a problem for their ability to run block. It's a problem for them their ability to pass block. And I, I think I've made this case on this podcast before. If there was a 
offense tailor-made for our defense to actually shine and have a bounce-back game, this is it. We have a quarterback that is a statue in the pocket, essentially. It is a drop-back passing attack. They have no rush run game whatsoever, and they are not very good at pass blocking. At left tackle, they have a um, second-year player, six foot seven, 325, picked 19 uh, overall last year, Trevor Penning. Penning last year was a decent run blocker, but he had a 38.7 pass blocking grade in his very limited amount of time before he got injured. So far this year, he has a 48.3 PFF grade, a 40 run blocking grade, and a 54 pass blocking grade. He has given up three sacks in two games. Three sacks, a hit, and six hurries. He has 10 pressures. 10. He's played 142 snaps. He's played 82 pass blocking snaps. That's terrible. Then we have left guard James Hurst. James Hurst has a 40.6 pass blocking grade. He's given up two sacks and two hits. He's terrible. The Bears offensive line dominates this, by the way. His run blocking, is he a road grade? Nope, 65 run blocking grade. He is, I mean, that's, uh, what are we talking about here? That's Josh Myers this past week. 65 run blocking grade, I think he is about what he had. At center, Eric McCoy. I think he was a relatively early round guy, right? Wasn't he a second round pick? Yes, second round pick in 2019. I think he was a uh, like the top guy that year. Anyways, um, he had a great rookie year. He has not had a great year ever since. He went from a 78 down to a 69 to a 63 to a 61. This year, that's bumped up to a 65 because he has a 74 run blocking grade. Not because he's actually good at it, but because that one week in week one, he actually did a good job. And then he was back to his old self in week two with a 64 run blocking grade. But you know what? That's not the most important part. He has a 47 pass blocking grade. How did he earn that? 48.9 in week one, 48.6 in week two. He has given up a sack, a hit, and four hurries. That poor quarterback is getting murdered at right guard. Oh my. I, I want to play this game so bad. I mean, I, Carr, Carr might not play another game after this week. Cesar Ruiz, another well-known name. Um, he was a first-round pick back in 2020 by the Saints. His grade since 2020, overall, 53, 57, 56. So far this year, 33. 33 overall grade. He has a 30 run blocking grade and a 43 pass blocking grade. He has given up a sack and two hurries so far this year. The only bright spot is Ryan Ramzik, former Badger. He has been an incredible tackle for a long time. The problem is he's not having as good of a year as he as he has been over the years. I mean, he's not off to as good of a start. Now, I expect him to have a pretty good game. I mean, he's always been good. He's, he's, so since 2017, his grades overall have been 81, 82, 91, 79, 84, 78. So far this year, 69. But his pass blocking has always been stout. 77, 76, 82, 75, 73, 76, 76. So far this year through two weeks, 75, 73. It's like the guy's never had a bad day. So unfortunately, that's Rashawn's side. I, I, I would like to see if they could try to just put Rashawn over by Trevor Penning and just let him, let him, just let him go, man. You know, I know we like to keep him on that one side, but Rashawn will have 17 sacks in this game. If he goes up against Trevor Penning, man. You can put Lucas Van Ness over here. He'll hold, try to hold the edge. Get Preston over there. He can hold the edge. Maybe maybe he gets some... I mean, there's been two hurries against Ryan Ramzik so far. He gave up three sacks this year. Maybe we get lucky. We get one. I don't want 
Rashawn to be freaking blanked by Ryan Ramzik. You know, get a couple pressures or something. Uh, hey, come on. Let Rashawn eat, man. You know? Anyways, let's take one more break. We'll come back, look at their defense, which is obviously the most important part of this team. It is the reason there are, is some trepidation. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right. Defense for the New Orleans Saints. The, the Saints right now are somewhat similar to the Falcons, I would say, in terms of they've got a handful of guys that are real good. It's not the whole defense, but they've got just a couple guys that are just really, really good. And those couple guys are playing at an unbelievable level. Again, very similar to the Falcons, right? Let's say they got five elite guys or five, you know, premier guys, whatever you want to call it. All five of those guys were playing better than they ever have. That's similar to the situation we have here. So if you look at interior defensive line, eh, it's whatever. You got uh, Nathan Shepard with a 59 PFF grade. Terrible against the run. I mean, 30 PFF grade, 24 tackling grade. They gave him a 90 pass rush grade, but his statistics are trash. You got Brian Brzee. He's got a 63 pass rush grade, 50 run defense, 68 pass rush, five pressures, 41 attempts. It's something. That's decent. I mean, it's up above 10%. And then Kalen Saunders is DT3, and he has the highest overall grade, but he's kind of useless. 61 run defense grade and zero pressures on 33 attempts. So I don't know what they're doing to impress PFF with these high grades, but the stats aren't really there. Then when you move to edge is when you really start to see some special stuff. Cam Jordan has always been a beast. It's just the way it goes. He currently has an 80 PFF grade, a 79 run defense grade, a 70 pass rush grade, which doesn't seem great, but 11 pressures on 67 attempts in a sack is as good as you can ask a guy to be. Across, across from him is Carl Granderson. Now, this one's a little bit weird because his first three years in New Orleans, he was terrible. And then in year four, he seemed to have an awakening. He went from a 50 to 60 to 60 to 80. And that was mostly run defense. This year is kind of similar, except, except for the part that it's run defense and pass rush. He has a 90 PFF grade with a 76 run defense, 85 pass rush grade, and 11 pressures, three sacks on 60 attempts. That is freaking elite. Now, it should be worth noting, you know, who they played against, which is the Titans and the Panthers. Those are two teams that are not very good. Those are two teams that are not really known for having super massively elite offensive lines. I mean, maybe the Panthers are decent, especially a tackle. Interior is kind of a disaster. Tennessee Titans are, are in trouble on that front. So I would say this is probably the best offensive line they've seen. I don't think that's um, unfair to say, but these guys are playing really well. But remember, as far as the front, the interior is the soft part. The edges are the scary part, because they've got pass rush and run defense. Then we bump it out to corner, and um, Paulson Adebo actually has taken the most snaps, but Marshawn Lattimore is the guy. Now, Lattimore has been a bit of an anomaly, because he started off hot and he got worse every single year, uh, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. Then in 2021, he had a great year, just randomly. It went from 80 to 70 to 60 to 50, and then back up to 70. Like, really good year. Then he went back down to 60, and right now he has a 90. Now, I don't know if that's real. I have no idea. But the last two weeks, he had a 90.2 coverage grade and an 84 coverage grade. That's that's elite, elite. I would assume he's probably the number one corner. Uh, let's see if it says here. Yeah, he's listed as the number one corner in football. So, you know, we had a good corner last week that erased, essentially, Romeo Dobbs. 
it's possible we're facing something similar. Now, it's upsetting because I thought Marshawn Lattimore was just going to fall off a cliff and we didn't have to worry about him, but it looks like he's kind of having a bit of a resurgence. He's a bit of an up-and-down guy, but this could be a tough matchup. The good news, though, is that he's just one dude. And Paulson Adebo is the other guy. He has a 54.5 grade, 56 coverage grade. He does have a pick already, but he's not grading out super well. And then the third corner, their slot, is Alante Taylor. And this is where we're going to have some opportunities with Jaden Reed because Alante Taylor is quite bad. He has a 45 PFF grade, 29 run defense grade, 50 coverage grade. He's already been targeted 20 times and gave up 16 receptions in just two games. That's crazy. That went for 105 yards and a touchdown. He does have one pass breakup, but that's 105.2 passer rating. But the the volume there is pretty staggering. 20 targets and 16 receptions, 80% reception rate, 105 yards and a TD. So if you're looking just straight up man-to-man matchups, this is the one. Alante Taylor against Jaden Reed. If they're playing man coverage, das ya boy. And for the record, it does look like New Orleans use a good, uh, pretty high man coverage rate. So if you're looking at it, PFF has it here. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Alante Taylor, and uh, where's he at? Paulson Adebo. They rank 17th, 24th, and 26th um, in terms of man percentage. That's most. Now, it's still sub-50%. I mean, everybody plays man most of the time, with the exception of Jonathan Jones in New England and DJ Turner in Cincinnati. But still, it's, it's a high percentage relative to the rest of the league. They're all top 32, top 30, top 25, I think, in terms of playing in man coverage. So, one every four snaps, we got Jaden Reed against Alante Taylor man-to-man. I like our chances there. Then we move to the linebackers, and we got more problems, and we got serious problems, because Demario Davis is a freak. Um, Demario Davis has always been just a freaking dog. Um, the guy is incredible. He, he, he is... He, there, there's like two or three guys that have a story similar to Demario Davis. Demario Davis was terrible for his first five years. As a, as a rookie, he was a third-round pick. He went to the Jets. 58, 52, 62, 52. He played his four years there. His contract ran out, and the Jets are like, nah, we're good. He goes to Cleveland. He's not good. He goes back to the Jets, and he had a good year. Then New Orleans picks him up. His grades have been 75, 90, 78, 78, 82, and right now he has a 90 PFF grade. Now, is that sustainable? Is he going to? Probably not. But if if he gets back to what he usually is, he's like between a 77 and an 82. Like he's he's like an 80 guy. Now he's he's primarily run defense, but he's been pretty solid in coverage for most of his career. I mean, starting in 2017, he's 35 years old and he's he's in the peak of his career. He's just one of those guys, man. I don't know. It's just a very rare thing. You, you kind of hope that he's about to fall off this year, but it doesn't look like this is the year. The guy's just, he's just good, man. That's, that's all there is to it. He's, he's a very good football player. Then next to him is Pete Werner, who is a second round pick out of Ohio State in 2021. He's been a pretty solid player for New Orleans. Kind of weird though. In 2021, he was great. 2022, he was pretty bad. 2023, he's off to a good start, but you know, does he regress back to what he was or what what's the whole situation that the weird thing that stands out is run defense that's his whole thing elite run defense in 2021 subpar run defense in 2022 and then back to like really good run defense coverage is very up and down but you can kind of see like what this team is built to do the the defensive line probably better run defenders the edge rushers they're pass rushers but they're probably some of the better run defending edge rushers in football the linebackers 
probably the best run defending duo uh, they can cover but in terms of run defense that's one of the best run defense duo. it's going to be tough sledding against these guys period trying to run the ball is not going to be easy especially when you factor in we played the falcons and the bears and and yes the falcons had some pieces but i'm not sure anybody i mean it's different you know the falcons were interior guys but you just look at the collection of the entire defensive front the linebackers i just think it's going to be tough to run our offensive line needs to step up in a massive way in terms of the run blocking i don't care who you're playing you you can't get stuck being too one-dimensional anyways all right, finally, we got the safeties. Um, as I mentioned, Tyron Matthews, top guy, then Marcus May. Marcus May ended up getting suspended for three games. So you got Tyron Matthew, 71.4 grade, 67 coverage grade. Um, he's been targeted nine times. Five of those were caught for 64 yards. No touchdowns, interceptions, or pass breakups. And then, again, I'm assuming it's going to be Jordan Howden, the rookie, 63 grade, 62.5 coverage grade. He's played 26 snaps, and every single one of them has been in coverage, which I'm sure is deliberate. If you think about it, they're using three safeties, which means they're probably going to have to bring somebody else up also if they want to continue playing defense the way that they do. And they rotate in their third safety for one purpose, and that is only for coverage. I'm guessing he's just playing single. You know, you know, we're putting Tyron Matthew down in the box, or we're putting him in at corner, and Howden's staying out. Like, he's not coming up. But the fact that they've never had him in on a running play, kind of crazy. I don't know if maybe they were way up in the fourth quarter and they put him in and the other team just had to pass i don't know that's kind of strange 26 plays zero run plays but um like i said zero stats no tackles no targets nothing um special teams unfortunately does actually look pretty promising they've got several guys with really good grades uh adam prentice the fullback jt gray the safety kirk Merritt, the wide receiver has a 73 DeMarco Jackson, 73, and then you got two really good guys in Lonnie Johnson Jr. at 86, and then Zach Bond, the linebacker, has a 90.6, so they got some special teamers. Kick return, not much. DeMarco Jackson, one return, uh, nothing doing there. Rashid Shahid seems like he's the guy. I'm guessing he's a speed guy, if I had to guess, just based on his his depth of target, what he's doing at wide receiver, and he's a returner. I'm guessing if you look at his 40 time, it's impressive. Let me look. Yep, 4-3. I don't know that. It looks like that was an estimate, but um, that was the first thing that popped up about him is he's estimated to run in the four threes. But anyways, seven kick returns, 22.4 average is nothing special. No touchdowns, obviously. Three punt returns, 22 yards, so 7.3 average. So he hasn't done a ton as a returner. Uh, Their punter has a negative grade, 53. Don't usually look at punters, but it matters, man. You, You got a punter that's shanking punts. That's a great thing. So hopefully he sucks. Longest was 52 yards. His net is 37.9. And then their kicker kicker on field goals, Blake Groupie, 69.5 grade. And he is perfect. Five for five on field goals, three for three on extra points, including a 50-plus yarder. So defense special teams, that's where it's at. But um, this offense, man, there is some serious, serious opportunities. I mean, if you ha- if you give him time in the pocket, I think they have the weapons to get this done. They have the wide receivers. And they can take over this game really easily. And if they can stop you with their defense, and if they're able to distribute the ball, we're in a lot of trouble. So I am begging the defensive players and Joe Barry to make this freaking work. There has to be pressure on the quarterback. It's actually one of the things I think Derek Carr is known for, is not handling pressure very well. However, clean pocket, dude is very good. So 2022 is a bit of an anomaly, but if we go back to 2021, 45 PFF grade under pressure, 91 in a clean pocket. 2020. 49 under pressure, 93 in a clean pocket. I mean, the dude is just a freaking elite player if you give him time. 
He is a pile of garbage if you put pressure on him. Saw that again in 2018, 35 under pressure, 90 while kept clean. Same thing in 2017. I mean, it's it's most years that is the situation. So, yeah, we got to uh, we got to make sure that's the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing, and then on offense, I mean, we got to pass. We've been we've been leaning real heavily on the run. I think that was the plan coming into the year because we assumed that we would run well. We assumed that the passing game would be a bit of a struggle, and that doesn't seem to be the case so far. And I think if Christian Watson comes back, I mean, look, I'm I'm not I'm not accusing Matt Lafleur of of being um, lacking aggression because I think he's been very aggressive. He started the last game with a flea flicker. When was the last time you saw the Packers do a flea flicker? Have they ever done a flea flicker in Packers history? I don't remember ever seeing one. Probably. Maybe Brett Favre did one. I don't know. But uh, Jordan Love, in his second game as the Packers starter, did a flea flicker. And uh, he's also the most aggressive quarterback in football right now at 25% of his passes, being uh, listed as aggressive. His yards per attempt are very high. I mean, it's, it's, it's not lacking aggression. It's just lacking opportunities. So, um, you know, in the absence of a run game, mix it up a little bit. Not everything has to be a 15-yard pass. Let's try to get some creative ways of, of work in different areas of the field. And again, if Watson is back, I think that that could be beneficial. But I, th- I, I really think we have to lean on the pass in this game. I think that's where we have our opportunities. We're going to have to be able to run. I mean, we, we can't abandon it. But um, I think we should lean into the pass more than we have been. Because if we can, man, if we can get a lead and force uh, the Saints to drop back and pass, we're in a really good situation. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your night, and I will, or de- rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow, tonight, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>